0: These things that you're attached to, these things that you look to, you think that you have life through them, but like life is right here in front of you. And everything in your life, whether you see it or not, is pointing to that, but you don't want to take it for yourself. You don't want to grasp it. You don't want to respond. So I started getting into poetry, and I wanted to share with you at the beginning of this just a quick poem that I recently wrote. It goes like this. I dig, you dig, we dig, he digs, she digs, they dig. It it may not be beautiful, but I think it's very deep. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 132. I hope that really bad dad joke brought you some joy. If you're a first-time listener, that's how we start off each episode, so I hope you'll stick around uh, for the rest. And if you're a long-time listener, thanks for coming back. All of you, if you have not yet rated and reviewed this podcast, please do so. It helps others find it. And the highest compliment you can pay us is to share this with other people, especially on social media. And if you do that, make sure you tag us at manafoodforthought on Instagram or at manaf 4 t on Twitter. You can find all that information on our website, manifoodforthought.com, as well as all of our blog content, previous podcast episodes, and you can click on the Patreon tab on the homepage and learn about how you can become a financial sponsor of this podcast for as little as $1 a month and patrons get perks. And so thank you for being a patron. If you're listening, so great to have all of you with us. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus for this episode. So my joy over this past week has been that we have been redecorating, reorganizing, repairing our house. So all the little dings, scratches, chips on all the walls, baseboards, everything, I fixed all those. We took everything off the walls, patched the holes, repainted, and we're putting up new pictures, photos, rearranging artwork, and really just making sure everything in every room is stuff that we really love and value and enjoy and it's not just like the art that we bought at Ikea to fill out our house when we first bought it. So that's been pretty cool. And part of that has been we've been decorating for uh, for Halloween on the outside. And I was on this, oh, man, too high of a ladder um, for the first time in a long time. Like I, I worked construction. It was my first job when I was 13 years old. I got paid under the table. And I was up on scaffolding and ladders. And I had like no care in the world. I was like, this is super cool. I'm making money. Like I'm, you know painting this ceiling in a three story, high, you know, three story high ceiling in this great room or whatever, like it didn't, you know, make a difference to me. And then I just don't think I realized how long it had been since I'd been on a ladder. <laughs> and I had bought this telescoping ladder to um, be easily stored. And it goes all the way up to like our second level. And I can, you know, reach the the roof, but I have to be pretty high up on it. And it, it was a little nerve wracking, you know, stapling lights and things like that that high up but I did it without injury or incident praise god um so that was all really joyful and fun um got my adrenaline up but it was good and it's really really great to see the look on the kids faces and even people in our neighborhood when they pass by our house and see like all the decorations and stuff like that and I get to keep them up for Christmas which is nice not the Halloween stuff but the lights because they're programmable so I can change the colors and patterns and stuff so yeah, super awesome. Uh, the junk is that, um, yeah, it just feels like things have been a little crazy and kids have been sick, then, you know, not sick. My in-laws have been sick and so we've been rearranging our schedule because they usually help us. And now, um, they were, we're back this week and then like the day they got back, the next day, um, our kids both were like coughing and sneezing and stuff in the morning. We're like, oh my gosh, come on. But then it like went away by the end of the day. And they seem to be good today. Um, So that's good. I think that was just like a change in the seasons and weather type of weird thing. So hopefully it is, but that was kind of crazy. Um, And yeah, yesterday I just wasn't really feeling like myself. I was having a really like irritable, just kind of weird day. So my Jesus moment was that on my drive home, I could really feel it welling up, like feeling very just like I don't know, resentful, irritated, frustrated. And I have a trip coming up next week. And I was like, I'm always thinking about when I have a trip, I try and call to mind like the week before, like I really want to make sure I'm spending really good quality, positive time with my family, my children, so that I'm not like in the airport thinking about like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be away from my family for three days. And I didn't spend that much time with them. I was too concerned about being busy and getting all this stuff done before I could go. So I was in my car on the way drive home and I was just like, you know what, Lord, like rebuke this irritability. Like, I don't want it in my home. You know, I don't know what's going on with me, but you have the power to cast it out. And so I ask you to do that. And I just took some deep breaths as I was pulling into my neighborhood and and praying that prayer. And it really totally just like transformed my outlook and like made me able to be positive and present to them yesterday, which was just really great. So I really felt the Lord in that. So. Um, and I've been doing a lot of uh, spiritual direction and coaching for people. It's always, you know, you just experience the Holy Spirit in such profound ways when uh, you're able to do that and encounter people in the midst of their life, and it's just really beautiful. So, yeah. Um, for this episode, I, I want to take a little excerpt of the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. second reading for this upcoming Sunday is from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Timothy was the first bishop of Ephesus. He was a traveling companion and disciple of St. Paul. Um And he is being written to, by Paul, on advice, regarding advice on how to be a good bishop, how to rule, you know, how to deal with the issues in his church and the area that he was in. And so, um, Paul, in this part of the letter, he's talking, he's giving like an update about what's been going on with him. And this is how it starts. I'm just going to read the first few lines. Uh, It's from 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. I am already being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And it goes on to talk about, you know, some of the things that um, you know await him, and um, you know, just some warnings that he has for Timothy and things like that. But, but what I found interesting about this, as I was reflecting on it, is that you know Paul is recognizing his death is soon, but it's not yet. He still has more to do. Like. The fact that we're all here means that God's not done with us, but he's talking about his race being over. Now, does that mean he's given up? No, I think what it means is that Paul here has kind of like articulating to Timothy that he's discovered his purpose. He's discovered like the whole point of it all. And so it's not like the race is really any earthly destination that we're trying to get to. It's this journey of trying to figure out like how to get to heaven and what God has called us to. And when we figure that out, it's as if the race has already been won. We're experiencing the kingdom of God that's like here but not yet, the presence of God and the reign of God in our life because we're allowing him to enter into the world through us and through the gifts he's given us because we've discovered our God-given mission and purpose. You might call that your vocation. You know, there are different ways to talk about that. But I kind of want to just talk about this in a sense of like, you know, Paul here is talking about being poured out like a libation, like an offering for other people. And it's just got me thinking about like, what do I do? What have I, what gifts have I been given and how do I use them for other people? And thinking about what is it that you do or that I do that brings joy to others and puts a smile on their face? Like, what is it about you specifically, your unique gifts, you know, the, the people around you, your circle of friends, your family, like what are the different qualities that you have or the things that you do or are able to do that you find bring joy to other people around you. And I don't want you to get discouraged here if you feel like there's nothing because there absolutely is. Sometimes it just takes time to cultivate and realize that. But I wonder like if if you don't know, if you were to ask the people around you, what is something that they admire about you or that one quality about you that, that inspires them or brings them joy, like what would they say? And it got me thinking about the love languages actually the five love languages if you're familiar and it's a really great thing to read up on because everyone has their particular love language it's the way in which they desire to be to be loved and receive affirmation and um, they are words of affirmation so some people need like the words of encouragement and affirmation to feel loved um, some is quality time one of them is quality time they need that physical presence to feel loved one is receiving gifts That when someone, you know, gives you a gift, that's, you know, a way in which you feel really loved and affirmed. Acts of service, when people go out of their way to do things for you, um, that makes you feel very loved. And then uh, physical touch, and when people express, you know, physical intimacy toward you, that's where you feel really loved. And so those are the five love languages. We all have like a dominant one and maybe like a secondary one. But um, what I find interesting is talking to people about not just the love languages that they receive, but I find that often... There's a disparity between how we receive love and affirmation and how we give it. You know, I you would think it would be kind of like you tend to give love the way that you re- you desire to receive it, and that's true, but I've also found like I tend to have certain skills or gifts in some area where I can express that to other people well and I can show them you know, um, God's love for them, or, um, I can bless them in some way. And it's not necessarily a way that I need or desire for myself, but it happens to be aligned with God gifts that God has given me. So for instance, like, words of affirmation like maybe you don't need that yourself but maybe you have the ability to speak advice that's really wise or really comforting to people around you maybe you have the ability to put pen to paper or to speak in front of others and to do so in an inspiring way in an uplifting way Uh, maybe quality time maybe your presence just really brings people joy maybe you just have like a spirit about you of joy of energy that inspires laughter in other people uh, or you're a good listener or people have told you like, you know, when you're with me, um, I feel like I'm the only person in the room that you are really listening and that you're really engaged and like you're not looking at your phone. I feel really connected to you. I feel like we've known each other forever. You know, maybe that those are the types of qualities that people might describe you you as having if you have that particular type of, of gift. Um, with uh gifts uh uh, receiving gifts if we're giving gifts maybe you are very creative in the way that you um you get gifts for people i know a couple people who are just like so amazingly excellent at giving gifts you know two of my friends natalie and katie just so good at it and really thoughtful and like inspire me to think about like wow like it's clear they put in a lot of like time and effort to think about this and they know me really well and do i put in that same like time and effort um, or maybe you just have some, a creative gift that you can share with other people, like the gift of music or art or, you know, the ability to create something that can bless other people and inspire them. Um, acts of service, you have an ability to serve, and maybe your ability to serve really blesses uh, and inspires other people. Maybe that's giving back to the poor, helping at a soup kitchen, being involved in ministries at your parish, being engaged in the community life, and, you know, help, helping make your community, your world, your neighborhood uh, a better and more inspiring, welcoming place. And then there's physical touch, and maybe it's just like your physical comfort maybe in something like doing you know, real um, boots on the ground missionary work, you know, helping at, you know, hospice centers or orphanages or hospitals, volunteering in that way where you really are, you know, the physical presence to other people, providing that physical comfort to them. Um, You know, those are all ways I think that God can use our gifts in some capacity to bless others. And so it just got me thinking about that, like, Paul here, in everything that he's done, everything that he will continue to do as he's writing in this letter that we're going to hear this Sunday, he's acting as though like he's fulfilled his mission. And it's not that he has nothing left to do. He's recognized like the journey of finding my mission has been over for a while. And I um, have just, my job then has just been persevering in it. And in doing that, I have done well. I have finished the race. Like I have, I have done what the Lord has called me to do. And I wonder, like, do I have that assurance? Do you have that assurance? Like, is what you're doing in your everyday life, is it fulfilling to you? Like, do you feel like you are living into your God-given purpose? Or is there something missing? And I think there's some questions or some things that we can bring to reflection to really discern that. Like, Uh, what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to do those things really align with your deepest passions and desires and I know again there's a practicality here of like well I have to make money I have to provide for my family like I have to do this or that like when was the last time you looked at you know the job market or you know education and uh, developing more skills in an area where you have a deeper passion or you know jobs that might be open in some other field that you're much more suited for passionate for passionate about that maybe you just haven't you know brushed up your resume in a while or you know looked at some of those postings because there's a lot out there there's a lot of people looking for employees Um, we're in a huge um, employee shortage right now and so there's a lot of opportunity out there for change and for reorienting your life around the principles and values that you want to you know live by and also ensuring that they tap into this sense of what's your God-given purpose? What's your What gifts and talents have you been given that um, are used for the service of others? You know, that's the difference, I think we talked about this on the podcast before, between a charism and a gift. Charism is something that comes from God. It's given to us by the Holy Spirit to help um, bring glory to God, inspire other people, and to help them experience God's love. And they're always done in service of other people. They're never done in service of ourselves. And they're things that energize us. We never get burnt out doing them. They give us energy. A gift is something that you can very easily get burnt out doing. You can use it for yourself. um, And it's it's something that you might just be naturally good at, but it doesn't give you that sense of like vitality and purpose. So it might be just, you know, a good exercise to just sit down maybe with pen and paper or in in a conversation with someone that knows you really well and reflect on like, what things you're good at, what things you really enjoy doing. Like if your schedule was entirely your own and you were totally financially provided for, like what things would you fill your day with to bring yourself joy in life? And I'm not talking about like, oh, like I really just want to rest and just sit on the couch in my PJs and watch Netflix. Like sure, we all have those moments. But like that gets really tiring and boring after, you know, a day or two, you know. And then it's just like I got to get out of the house. I got to do something. I'm feeling very isolated and depressed, you know. That's not what we were made for. And then bringing that, you know, kind of once you have identified, like, what are those things I'm really passionate about where I feel like I have a sense of purpose and mission and I have excitement behind them. I'm inspired and I want to inspire others to ask those questions. What am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? Uh, What am I continuing to say yes to by not changing things in my life? What do I wish I could say yes to? And that might require me saying no to more things that don't necessarily meet that purpose. Um, I tend to think and believe that we all do a lot more than we need to when it comes to things like work, you know, um, home life. Not that we shouldn't be like going above and beyond and trying really hard, but I think we place on ourselves a lot of these you know, ancillary tasks or expectations that we think like, okay, I've got to do all of these things in order to be good at my job or to be a good father, husband, mother, wife, you know, whatever it might be. And if we're really honest, like the fundamental, like job description of our job or the fundamental, like I need to love and and be present to my family, like those things, you know, are what are most necessary. But, like, I have to um, make sure I clean the kitchen every day. I have to make sure I am, you know, uh, filing this report or sending this email or whatever that nobody asked me to do, you know, but I do it every day just out of this assurance that people see that I'm working, you know, or whatever it is. There's a lot of stuff that you could just, you know, kind of trim the fat off your life, you know. Um, And I know, you know, if you like a good steak or, you know, a cut of meat, the fat's the good part. But I'm talking about, like – the, the not good fat, like the grisly stuff, like cut that down. So you have like that kind of best possible choice cut of your life in front of you to enjoy. And I know, you know, time is an issue. There'll never be enough time. Um, but to remember that the purpose of your life is not to be successful, to be productive, efficient, perfect, the best, like the purpose of your life is to love. And loving God and neighbor as your authentic self is the only thing that you can be the best at. It's the only thing that you are called to do better than anyone else in the entire world. And so we need to take the words of Scripture and put them into action. Words like in Matthew 5, 37, where Jesus says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. Like to really make sure that our yes is aligning with the things that our our hearts and souls want to say yes to. And that we're not beating around the bush. We're not saying yes to things that you know, we don't need to be doing, or that aren't part of our job, or that don't we don't have room for in our life, solely because we're we're worried about how other people might think of us, or we want to get ahead, even though it's going to be at the detriment of the things that matter more in life. Um, in John five um, verses thirty nine to forty, Jesus says, "You know, you search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them." even they testify on my behalf. And then he says this, but you do not want to come to me to have life. You do not want to come to me to have life. So he's saying like these things that you're attached to, these things that you look to, you think that you have life through them, but like life is right here in front of you. And everything in your life, whether you see it or not, is pointing to that, but you don't want to take it for yourself. You don't want to grasp it. You don't want to respond and actually have the life That God is calling you to have you know we think we're doing the right things but actually in refusing to see a bigger picture or to let go or to change we're preventing ourselves from experiencing something better fuller richer you know this is like the Pharisees the Pharisees at the time of Jesus they probably had really good intentions and thought they were in the right in fact they were far more concerned about religiosity than politics you know, they they dealt with, you know, the oppressive presence of Rome, but they really were concerned with people adhering to the law. Um, the Sadducees were different. They were probably worse in many respects when you look at the history. But the Pharisees, some of them probably had very good intentions. It says in Scripture that a lot of them actually became, um, you know, messianic, that they started following Jesus. Uh, Nicodemus, you know, coming to Jesus in John chapter 3, this kind of stuff. It's, you know, um, just a good reminder that like there are examples in the Bible and all throughout history of people who thought they were doing the right thing or what they needed to be doing. And we've had experiences of this probably in our own life in the past. And then all of a sudden we have this kind of rude awakening or this moment of like, wow, yeah, this is not bearing fruit. This is not making me happy. This is detrimental to the other things in my life. Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, Verse 22, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the skins are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. If you want a new sense of purpose and vitality in your life, then the container of your life needs to look different. Like if we want to experience new fruitfulness and abundance in our lives. We have to change the structure. We have to change the priorities and focus of our life too. It doesn't happen with one little change. It's not a fix-it job, but it's like a total remodel down to the studs sometimes a full renovation and sometimes a full demolition and rebuild. But it begs the question, like, is your life working for you in a way that glorifies God and allows you to love and serve your God and neighbor in a way that gives you life, in a way that inspires you? Or is your life more suited towards serving yourself and what you want? You know, I ask this question often, but if God answered all your prayers and fulfilled all your goals and desires right now, would anyone else's life change but yours? And if the answer is no, then we have a very self-focused and self-righteous view of our life. And that is going to lead to isolation, to not feeling joy or connectivity in our relationships, to feeling very alone. And God has called us for community and he's given us gifts that are for others. And when we use them for others, we feel fed. It's just like paradox that happens, even though we're pouring out and pouring out, like St. Paul says in this reading, I'm already being poured out like a libation and the time of my departure is at hand. I've been poured out so much to the point of death. And yet he says, I've competed well. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. He sees it as positive. He sees it that way because it's his mission. It's his purpose. And he knows that and he's seen the fruit of it in people like Timothy, who he's writing to, and in churches like the churches in Corinth and Ephesus and and Rome and Philippi and Colossae and all these places that he writes these letters. When we can prayerfully reflect on the things that God has blessed us with and discern which of those gifts are charisms that are meant for the service of others that also give us energy, life, and vitality, if we can tap into those and incorporate them into as many parts of our life as possible, we can change the world. And in the process, we will be abundantly joyful. Even if our life looks totally different than it does now, even if our life doesn't have the glitz and the glamour or all of the achievements that the world says it's supposed to to be successful, because we know in the end, we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful in the words of Mother Teresa. That our life is not about achievement. Our life is about loving. Purpose of our life is to love. The purpose of your life is to love. Do you feel like everything that you're doing and living is oriented toward that right now? And if not, what can you do to change it? So brothers and sisters, I pray that that is helpful to you. It's been helpful to me to reflect on. And I pray that it doesn't give you this kind of knot in your stomach or this sense of guilt. I pray that it gives you this kind of cuz I think that would be something from the evil one like saying like, "Oh, you know, this is going to be too hard" or, you know, "maybe your life's not going where it's supposed to." And the devil could use something like this to to tempt you to think like all the good you're doing now is not good enough and change the good for something bad. It's not what I'm ask what I'm, you know, encouraging or or hoping for. But I hope, like, if you get that sense, like, there's a fire lit within me a little bit. Like, ooh, you know, maybe I haven't thought about revising my resume or changing my job or, like, you know, t- having this conversation with my wife or my friends about, like, hey, what if I totally did something new, you know? And it, it's not like all of this has to happen in your 20s when you're figuring it out and out of college. Like, you know, the time for personal revival is every day, you know, in your 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, even after retirement, like, completely changing up what your life looks like in order to glorify God better, it always results in joy and abundance. And if we're still here on this planet, that means God's not done with us yet. And he has more joy and abundance to give us and for us to give others. So I pray that that helps you think about what that means for you. Um, And yeah, thank you for listening. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.